Hello and welcome back to the Mission Moultrie podcast. Today, um, we're joined in the studio with a special guest to talk about a special topic. But for now, I'm Sam Baker here again with uh, John. I tried to give him a title of esteemed colleague last time. He didn't like it. There was a little quippy, quippy, just John. That'll be the title of his upcoming memoir, Just John, um, available on audiobook only. Um, uh, we are, however, joined by uh, David Dennis. David Dennis is a pastor at Calvary Baptist Church right across the street from Friendship Alliance, or maybe Friendship Alliance is across the street from Calvary Baptist Church. It's one of those white with black stripes, black with white stripes yep. things with Ex- the zebra. Exactly. And so um, David, like I said, is a pastor there, THM from Southern Seminary, and a good friend that uh, met randomly in my full-time office located in Moultrie Starbucks. Yeah. You meet a lot of good people at, at coffee shops. It's highly yeah, yeah, yeah. Highly recommended. Good place to meet people and have meetings. So last week, just to catch up, for the past two weeks, we've been going over the very administrative task of explaining who we are, what we do, um, how we got here. So if you haven't caught up on that, I encourage you to go back and listen listen to episodes one and two. Um, episode two with Pastor John Eubanks at Friendship Alliance. And today... We're going to talk a little bit more about some guiding the guiding principle behind Mission Moultrie. Would you call it a guiding principle, John? Yeah. Guiding verse. For for sake of a better term, yeah. Guiding principle, core belief, core value. Core value. I like that. It's very corporate. There you go. And that's where I'm from. Okay, the corporate world. That's right. That's right. So today we're just going to look at and break down uh, John 17, 20 through 23. You will see that on the Mission Moultrie logo, on the Mission Moultrie uh, website and Facebook page because it is such a guiding uh, verse. John, I mean, can you tell us a little bit about how you arrived at that or what this verse, how this verse spoke to you and why it became guiding for Mission Moultrie? Sure. Um, So... A little over a year ago, um, just real quick, it, you know, we were in a men's Sunday school class, and um, we were looking at Romans uh, 8, where um, Paul says, and you can hear the pages turn, um, I have given them right standing, or and having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. And... It was really kind of a an interesting moment. It's like everybody, all the men, about a dozen or more of us, we just kind of stopped and looked at each other and just were in awe of what the Word of God was saying there, that, that Jesus Christ has given us His glory. And then a few weeks after that, I was driving somewhere, not don't remember where, but I was listening to a pastor on the radio, and he quoted from... A passage in Isaiah, I'm thinking 40 or 43, where God says, I am the Lord God, and I will share my glory with no one. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a minute. He just tells us in Romans that he's given us the same glory that he gave Christ. And so I was like, I know the word of God doesn't, you know, contradict itself. And, and, and so... 
I really started looking into it, and and I, that's I landed at John seventeen when I just started looking at glory and passages about God's glory and Him giving us glory, and and that's when I came upon John seventeen. Not for the first time. I mean, it was underlined in my Bible a lot, and um, but it's like it was there after reading this that I just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, uh, "You really don't understand. You or you need a deeper understanding of what it means to be one with Jesus, just as He and the Father is one." And that that's what kind of led me on that. I began praying that prayer for for myself for my marriage um for my local church and um it was a couple months after that when i the lord called me to the work of just you know working for unity in cockwood county among the churches there that's awesome cool it so you just kind of uh found it through uh word study and yeah just word study, and just through daily devotion, and just my time with the Lord. The Holy Spirit really yep. spoke to you. Yep. Uh, David, besides me just texting you and say, hey, uh, could you help us out with this? Um, had you run across this before? I mean, what what's kind of your experience with this passage, or like what context have you heard it in? Yeah, uh, one of the things I really remember this uh, uh, passage from is whenever I was in uh, New Testament Greek, uh, whenever I was in seminary. Um, this one really stuck out because one of, the, of our assignments throughout the semester was to read through the Gospel of John in Greek, and you had to translate all these kind of things. And uh, man, that was stinking hard, first of all. Um, but second of all, um, I remember even getting to this passage, and I remember even in my study of this passage, um, how interesting it is. Uh, I mean, there, there's a couple aspects to this that, that, that really do hit home. And one of them uh, that I remember distinctly as I read this is almost Jesus's idea of the church as an evangelistic tool, which is really strange. Um, I think um, I think in our individualistic culture in, in America, I think one of the things that we typically do if you if you take a look at it, we typically break up into groups of people who are on the same page as us. So if you, if when I go up to visit my brother in New York, um, he's a hardcore left-wing Democrat. Guess what all his friends are? They're hardcore left-wing Democrats. I mean, uh, my, my, my other part of the family, uh, they are hardcore right-wing um, Republicans. You want to guess um, who all their friends are? The, like, like, that's what they do. Like people who are typically excited about sports. Um, they, they hang out with people who are excited by sports. Um, we kind of cluster. And I think one of the things, I think you even see this in, in Christianity, people who are, quote, excited about things like ministry and those type of things, what they do is sometimes is um, they actually sometimes like ditch the church and they almost like do their own thing and hang out with people who are really excited because that's where the work gets done, right? And one of the things that you see here is that Jesus has an intention for his church and by virtue of their relationships with one another, I mean, we're talking like um, like 40-year-olds with 15-year-olds with 80-year-olds. Like, there are supernatural relationships like uh, that are happening that we typically, I mean, let me ask you, when's the last time you saw like a 20-year-old uh, hanging out with an 80-year-old at the movies? You probably don't see that much, do you? Like, but one of the things, one of the supernatural things about the body of Christ is 
that Jesus has actually saved people and brought people from different backgrounds and completely different, like, and he brings them together and unifies them in a way. And that was one of the things that really, like, struck me, I think, as I've read this in my time reading it. it, it like, Christ's view of the local church uh, and local churches as evangelistic tools. We usually think, oh, you got to do this and this and this. And one of the things is like, wait a minute, like, this is really interesting. Like, like Jesus actually saves the people for the sake of demonstrating their relationships, demonstrate that what he has done is actually true. So that's, I guess, when I read, that's one of the things that I've been like, wow, like, like th- th- this is something I think that, that our culture maybe has lost a little bit of. Um, and, and I think that's profoundly good news for us. Man, that's excellent. It is. Good, you know, good perspective. It reminds me of the acronym that's really popular, KISS, mm. Keep It Simple, Saints. Oh, there, there okay. you go. I, I yeah, was yeah. Where you're going there. Yeah. <laughs> and so, if we just look at the model, and of course we, you know, we we look back to Acts two and Acts four, where we see the early church, you know, walking in this unity and experiencing this unity, and we see that outcome. We see the evangelistic power of the early church in just doing these, devoting themselves to, you know, the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer, as they just devote themselves to that simple lifestyle, you know, the results is God adds to their numbers daily. Yeah. And so most power, I don't know that there's ever been a more powerful evangel, you know, evangelistic move <laughs> since, yeah. you know, and... Um, For sure. Let's... um. So for those of you who are listening at home, we encourage you to grab your Bibles or your Bible app or whatever you got there and uh, follow along with us as we dive into this passage. But if you're uh, getting some fresh air out on the walking trail or you're in your car, we encourage you not to look at a book, look straight ahead of you or pay attention to what you're doing. And uh, we're going to read the passage for you so you won't be completely lost. And we'll, uh, guys, I just want to remind you kind of the rules of the match here. Uh, just be specific uh, if you're referring to something. We can all see each other pointing to our Bibles and we're kind of familiar with a verse. But if if you're referring to a specific part of the verse, uh, just for the sake of our listeners, uh, tell them, you know, this is in 22, the first part or whatever. Sure. Uh, just be mindful uh, does anybody want to read it for us? Yeah, I'll go for it. So okay, and what, what translation are you using just uh, for? The ESV. ESV. Standard version. Yep. So it says this, uh, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Amen. What a good word. Um, So right off the rip here, it kind of sounds like we're jumping into the middle of a conversation. It does, doesn't it? Because I not only pray for these. And so just real quick, uh, one of you, talk to us about what's happening. Where where are they? Um, what are they doing? 
Yeah, so uh, I think one of the things that you see in this passage is John is basically writing to these people that showing that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of everything that's gone on in God's work throughout history. So, I mean, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, God has had this in mind ever before the foundation of the world. And what we see here is Jesus has come as the Son of God, and he's come to the end of his ministry. He knows what is about to happen here. Uh, He knows the suffering that he's about to go through. But at the same time, uh, one of the things he's actually lifting up the final prayer to his disciples, uh, because these are going to be the very people that he sends out, all right, after his resurrection to preach. All right, so what he's doing is he's almost giving, this is in many ways almost one of the final prayers that we see in the book of John. He is giving his final prayer uh, and uh, to both to his disciples and not only his disciples, but all those who are going to believe the message that they have on account of what he's done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jesus is in the upper room with these disciples the night before he was crucified. Soon they'll be leaving to go to Gethsemane and go through that whole prayer thing. And so this is a really intimate, sincere prayer for his disciples, for those people that got to share that last, uh, we say last meal, but John tells us that there was like uh, a, one more meal that they shared with Jesus, or, or many more actually, after the resurrection. But before he died, this is the last right. uh, meal they had with Jesus. And so Jesus is uh, this really awesome prayer to the Father, but uh, out loud for the sake of the people hearing him. And now for the sake of us today as we move forward with Mission Moultrie. So let's just jump right into it. Um, How does, uh, I guess, a a guiding question for this entire little study here this morning is how is this pointing towards unity and how should this change the believers? um, How should this affect the believers' heart, spirit, mind uh, when... Uh, we're approaching the topic of unity. So what I love about this is um, when, when, when I was really, the Lord was really speaking to me about this and I was really starting to get a better understanding. I was talking with um, a friend of mine, which you, you, you all know, he's a gift to our communities, knowledgeable, you know, he's going to Cambridge for goodness sakes, Eric Foster Whitten. He's talking about EFW yes, here. EFW himself. <laughs> but I was talking with him, and I he and I, I mentioned it to him. And he said, "Oh, you mean the high priestly prayer?" I'm like, "Well, no, I, I didn't know it was called that." <laughs> you know, but I, it's amazing to me, and it just I love that Jesus is our high priest, and at, he was interceding for us right now. He he even before. Even before what he's asking God to do was possible because he had not yet made the atonement, he was asking God to bring this about. He was praying for God to do what he would now have to go and and make provision for, you know, um, while he's praying this prayer. Because um, literally what he's asking the Father to do at this point was not yet possible, you know. Um, but... Of course, he knew what the Father's will was. He knew what his future was. And so I just think that's in, it's intriguing to me that Jesus was praying. This, he was interceding for us, not only for those disciples who had walked with him for three years, but he was looking throughout 
you know, all of history and seeing the three of us sitting here, you know, and praying for us as well. Yeah. So, David, how do we, uh, in this passage, how do we know that Jesus is not just talking about unity among the disciples there? Just... Yeah, I, I think I think one of the things he clues us in, uh, because one of the things that he notes there, he says, I don't only ask for these. When he's talking about these, he's talking about those who are like, like, he, like these guys who are directly in front of me. Yeah. Like, But one of the things I think to note is that he has even people who are going to come after them in mind. So, I mean, even at this point, we can see that Jesus is not going to be caught off guard by the fact that this is going to spread throughout the entire world. Like... The assumption is that this is going to go, even in the Old Testament when you read it, this is going to go to tribes, nations. Um, even, when the Old Testament, if you wanted to be part of the people of God, you had to be part of, of the nation of Israel. Um, so you think ooh. when he says, for all who will ever believe. Yeah, all, the, all those. <laughs> like, so, so that's interesting because like, not only like, is, is it, like for instance, like who are going to believe um, so J- John, like you, you believe because someone shared the gospel with you yeah. and they believe because someone shared the gospel with them. They believe like this, go- this is a, it's like one of those Russian dolls, like that, 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 like <laughs> yeah. one of those things. I mean, in many ways, like, uh, it, it's interesting because it, I, I, I don't think one of the things he has in mind here is just, oh, and I'm going to stop praying for those who, um, who, who believe after the discipleship, like I'm, I'm praying for two generations here the disciples and who they share with. I don't yeah. think that's what he's going with. I think he's yeah. a, like, this is something that he's like, it's a prayer that it in many ways extends to you, me and, and, and those who are in Christ who are listening to this. I was saying, yeah, I think it's awesome that the unity he's talking about, um, is shared all the way back retrospectively so that we are, uh, in this unity of, of heart, spirit, mind with Paul, with John, with Matthew, with, um, all those with uh, Mary Magdalene and uh, Thomas, all the folks who were there in the in the beginning with Jesus, such a cool thing. I think that's why, <clears throat> personally, I just find like church history fascinating. The the patristics is what's called when you read about the church fathers. I think it's cool that we like we're we share a bond all the way back. This is the eternal yeah. body of Christ. Yeah. You know, we're 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 joined with all those who came before us and all those who will come after us. Yeah. And um yeah, it's a uh, you know, there's there are many passages of scripture where you do have to look at the audience and the time, you know, and and who he was, you know, the tense and and so many things you do have to look at. Um, to to make sure you're understanding the message, but you know that's what I love about this passage is the simplicity of it. It's it's it is timeless. It is yeah. you know forward for sure. And just uh um kind of we're gonna move on to the twenty two and twenty three, but uh twenty and twenty one. It's interesting to me to note that the unity is not based on proper thinking or theology about Jesus. The unity of those disciples and the ones who follow after is based in the person of Christ that's right. and his that's unity true. with the Father. And I think that's what we've been saying about Mission Moultrie mm-hmm. is that we're not on a quest to change everyone's theology to the same. No. That uh, churches are going to main uh, individual church 
uh, bodies, local congregations, will maintain their distinctions and and how they think about Jesus. But our unity isn't derived about how we think about Jesus, but uh, in Jesus Himself. Yeah, yeah. I think even you see that even in books like Romans, um, uh, even like in Paul's letters. Hey, let him who is uh, who who believes this be fully convinced in his own mind. He's assuming that. Christians, I mean, this is crazy to think about, are going to come to, like, they're, they're going to be disagreements, which is interesting because, mm-hmm. like, like it's almost like one of those things because uh, I've heard people uh, say things like, okay, well, if we both have the Spirit, uh, how are we disagreeing? Let it, like, but, like, it's one of those things. I think that, like, you see these kind of things happen because I think it creates a dependence upon the Lord uh, sure. to, to actually maintain some kind of unity. So, sure. like, for instance, John, you and me, um, I mean, we go to, I mean, very different churches that would, um, hold to, I mean, very different things in some area sure. yet in one sense, like, like you and I, like when we were talking about it, even uh, a little before the show, I mean, just by virtue of the fact of, of, uh, that the Christian is united with Christ, you and me are, are in one sense, we, we are brothers. I mean, that, that is a real yeah. thing. And, and one of the thing, and I, I was sharing this with Sam last week, um, in preparation for this week, one of the, one of the things that I've just heard so strongly is the the spirit said to me was if if it doesn't separate them from the father it shouldn't separate them from you mm, man that's and, a good and point so that's why you and I we can sit down mm-hmm. I know that I know that you are one with the father I'm one with the father so we are without excuse for there to be any enmity any offense between us mm-hmm. because even if you do say something offensive or if I do say something offended to you or offensive to you, the blood of Jesus has already paid for that. Mm. And so it, it doesn't cost you and I anything. Yeah. That's a good distinction that we can uh, spend a few minutes on uh, the difference between a disagreement between brothers and uh, offense or enmity between brothers um i'll just start out with a comment that i think first john kind of wraps up the enmity thing you cannot have uh you cannot hate your brother and love god uh you can uh read first john 500 times and get that every time out of it i think it's pretty uh explicit there but uh the disagreement that david uh brought up these are just things that happen over um, how we should do things, mm-hmm. how uh, we know that Jesus uh, taught us to do, or, com- you know, some would say commanded us to do the Lord's Supper. How do you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, now in uh, 2020, um, there's different ways to administer it. How often should you take it? Th- these are disagreements, but they shouldn't cause enmity between <clears throat> brothers because we're all like yeah i think we should do that right i mean most i think most people are maybe that was a bad example but no i don't think so i think i think that i think that's right on i think uh i i I think i I think we have to have some kind of category in our mind that basically and say i can actually go to a different church with somebody but yet in one sense like like that doesn't mean I'm in, I'm in enmity with them. Like yeah. I, I I can I can care for them. Like me and me and you, Sam, we we joke all the time about some stuff that we disagree with. 
Oh, um, for sure. I mean, yeah. so it, it's one of those things like uh, just because we go to different churches doesn't mean like, yeah. oh, man, like I, 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 I'm fundamentally against them. Like, uh, right. but, but yeah, I think, I think that's one of the beauties of it. I mean, the uh, fact that we go to different churches, whatever it means, it definitely should not mean that we don't like each other and we can't yeah. sit down and fellowship sure. together. Yeah, and wall whatever, each other whatever off. Else it means yeah. it doesn't mean that we can't fellowship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously when we say that, you know, we're talking about churches who believe because we do have mission Moultrie, the churches that are we're we're walking with in this. We have settled on the 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 basic tenets of our faith you know um we're not talking about getting out there and things that are not you know um solid biblical doctrine that we all believe is the truth you know we are but we do it's we we are trinity you know we do believe in triune god we do believe in the virgin birth we do believe in the inerrancy of scriptures you know and a lot of this has to do with fruit, and w- that could be a whole other podcast because um, we, the three people sitting at this table, we have different backgrounds um, theologically. Um, we attend churches that I wouldn't say are vastly different, but are pretty one, different. One, one or two things, you know, you know, or two doctrines that may be specific to. Yeah, that would make a person decide. Like, I would rather go to. Yeah, there's there's this probably, church or that there's church. Probably ninety eight percent agreement level, probably. If you looked at, mm-hmm. at the statement of faiths, oh um, for it sure, it probably comes down to like practicals. How does this practically right. work itself out? Like, in, yeah. in, in different ways, that's, that's right. where probably it comes in. Yeah. And none of those are what I would call the big ticket items. <laughs> no. And so, um, man, I just lost my train of thought. Bad hosting. Choo-choo. Yeah. Anyway, let's, let's well, move on. L- yeah. Go ahead. Well, let's, let's go ahead and look at uh, verse 21 because um, I think we've covered verse 20 pretty well. Yeah. Um, pray that they will all be one. How so? One in, one in what sense? Yeah. You know, and then he's, he, he explains that to us. And this is the New Living Translation. Um, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I'm in you. It's a big statement. That's, you know, wrapping my brain around that as a born-again, spirit-filled child of God, when he looks at me, he doesn't see someone else outside of him. He sees someone who is in him, who is one with him to the extent that he can share his glory with me because I'm not outside of him. I am the body of Christ. I'm in the body of Christ. Yeah, because we're definitely going to have to deal with in 22 uh, giving them glory. And then in 23, uh, I think, may become perfectly one. Mm-hmm. I think those are things we're going to have to deal with in the next uh, little bit here. So um, coming off of 21, we get the first purpose statement, and then we get another purpose statement in 23. I think it's important <laughs> to point out there. What's the per- What's the point of all this unity? Um, why should we be one with one another as Jesus is one with the Father? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. So that 
um, it, it might pick that up. Anyone? I mean, yeah, I, I think it's really interesting. I think uh, if you go back and forth uh, through church history, I think you one of the things that you see is um, one of the things that Christians are is they're emphatic. Uh, they emphasize certain things, and sometimes what they do is they, um, by doing so, they actually forget um, certain things at the same time. And I think uh, I think our culture we find ourselves in a unique spot because um, I think with the prevalence of things like Christian radio stations um, and those type of things, I think uh, I think our culture grasps this idea of like the the uh, that we are one as a uppercase C church, like the Lord redeemed um, a church throughout history, like we're all part um, of like the church in that one sense. Um, but I think one of the things in many places is sometimes it's forgotten. There's actually like lowercase C, like, like most of the times whenever you read your Bible and it says the word church, uh, I think about 90 something percent of the time it's talking about like a local congregation. Mm -hmm. Um, and whenever he's talking about like, like that you and your, like you, I think one of the things is we automatically in our culture, we jump to that uppercase C thing. Um, even though that is, is a thing, like we, like there should be an aspect to where, you know, we, like we are, we, we are one, we're one in Christ. We're one in, in, in how we are agreeable and thoughtful towards one another. And yet at the same time, uh, there needs to be an aspect to which we are actually one with our own body of Christ. Like we're like that. I actually know and care about and genuinely, because I, I think many times I think we kind of view like our local churches almost as like this third arm. Uh, we're not really sure what what they're about or what they're doing, um, and we're not really sure why we're there. We just gather with them. Um, we have very we don't know anything about. And I I I think one of the things that this passage is calling us to, I think it's a reminder. I think that that aspect is a reminder. Like, wait a minute. Like the point of my local church is, and I think he's going to get this later in the passage. Like that's going to be a demonstration that that whatever Jesus did is actually true and real. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think I think it's really I think it's really important to point out the fact that there is a universal church like that. That's a thing. But at the same time, I think the overwhelming emphasis most of the times that we read is on that lowercase C church. Mm-hmm. Like you have an important role to play. Mm-hmm. Like and if you aren't getting to know those in your church, I, like I think that's a huge deal. Like that, that, that's one of the things that proves, uh, I mean, the fact that Jesus is true and alive. I mean, I, th- I think in, in my own congregation, um, Valentine's day, um, one of the things that we're trying to raise up in our younger guys, like we take our younger guys out and uh, what we do is we have them deliver flowers and just talk to like some of our elderly saints in our congregation, like to facilitate a relationship there mm-hmm. to show like, wait a minute, you're not just like your own little quote, like little youth group kind of thing. But like you're actually meant to know others in the congregation, deeply care for them, pray for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the things that does, I think that demonstrates that the Christ is risen because he's bringing people together who in many ways, I mean, in society have nothing in common, like outside of that. I mean, I, I think when he when he's referencing um, like that, we may be one. I, th- I think we got it. We got to hit on that, baby. That's that is that yeah. that is an awesome that is an awesome aspect of the gospel that I think in many ways and sometimes maybe has almost been forgotten in our culture. I mean, usually we all, we all have our quote own little ministries and those type of things, but there's a serious call to know one another and not just know those who are like you in your church. 
your own little uh, group. No, no, those who are completely unlike you at the same time. Yeah, some some of my best friends um, throughout the years of, of being involved in churches, different churches, <clears throat> have our like we would not have been friends outside of our relationship with Christ. Like we didn't have the same hobbies. We didn't dress alike. We had nothing in common except for our love for Jesus. And that, and then, you know, a friendship grows out of that. But what I, um, I would like to further emphasize that not only do we jump to the big C church, we, we also tend to jump to fruit, um, the fruit of what Jesus does in us as being an individual, uh, fruiting event, but there, I would like to point out that there are some fruits that are only uh, available in a corporate setting within a local church, and then I think there are other fruits that are only available when the church works together. I wouldn't make a hard and fast list of what those fruits are, yeah, but you, you can't have the fruit of peacefulness among brothers by yourself. That's right, going to be exactly. Really hard. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and but then there's, uh, I mean, just in the same way, and I've, we toss this around before the show a little bit that this unity um, and we can go and talk about perfect unity now that it's, it starts um, between you and Jesus. It starts there. It, it moves into a marriage or friendships or relationships with other people. Then it moves to the church being unified as a body. And then it moves to that big C church that David mentioned uh, being unified in a lot of different ways. And I think there's fruit at every level sure. of that and growth at every level. Right. I mean, in order for us to, you know, I think in order for us to see uh, what Jesus' desire is here and for us to experience that, we, we've we got to become aware of, okay, where where are we experiencing unity and where are we not? You know, and, you know, I think there are there are some churches that really focus on little C and they, they really focus on they working so hard to accomplish, you know, unity within that little C church and within to the individual and to the marriages and the families in that church and and for that church body and then they they like they they spend so much time on that and they and then they stop there. They don't look outside the the church and say, "Hey, you know what? We're part of the church in um, this community. Also, we have brothers and sisters throughout this community." And but I, I think I think both of you are, are dead on. It it starts with, and again, I don't think we're I don't think we're really. I know me personally. This is I lacked understanding here. You know that it does begin with me. It does begin with my understanding of who I am in Christ and that what does it mean for me to be one with Christ? How do I bring my whole life? And, you know, for me personally, you know, one thing that has been revealed to me is, is you can't have perfect unity without perfect truth. Mm. And so in my own life, I had to start looking at what, where, where, where does my life not line up with the word of God? Where am I not walking in truth at? You know, the word says he desires truth in the innermost parts. And so I had to I had to say, Holy Spirit, show me the innermost parts of my life that I'm not walking in truthfulness. And 
and I need I need you to show me that. And so as we begin to, you know, pursue that unity, that perfect unity with Christ individually, and then if you're married, pursuing that perfect unity with our wives or our husbands in Christ. And, you know, Father, make me one with my wife. Make us one with each other, or just, just as you and the Father are one. Or just family. I mean, yeah. if you're a if you're a son or That's a daughter right. or right. a parent or That's you right. know whatever. Because I tell my kids, you know, I've got four kids. You know, most of them. The youngest one is 15 now. But one thing, you know, we've taught them is look, the Lord didn't give you a sister or a brother to as a curse. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was a gift he gave you to each other to be a blessing to one another and he gave us a family for us all to benefit and for us to be stronger and and, and to be able to experience more of who he is through one another's gifts mm-hmm. and even through one another's weaknesses and button pushing like, that's right man, yeah. some sense, that's got, right. sense is gonna come out man that's right and i mean you, you're gonna, you're gonna I mean, that's one of the things you see, man. You're around people all the time, that's right. and that's going to squeeze you, man. And you're going to see stuff that's in there. That's and right. I think that, I think that's one of the great gifts of the Lord: the relationships that we do have. There's not going to be people. unity without me, without humility. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and that, and there's not going to be humility without putting to death things too. That's right. Like like that's a, that's a real thing. Like it's I, I don't think it's this mythical unicorn that's floating out there that like that 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 we that we find it, it's going to it takes. Thoughtfulness, care, work. So at the at, at the beginning of this, you know, a little over a year ago when the Lord called me to this, this was my simple, logical thinking, okay? Um, prior to this, I was at a church conference, and the statement was made that there is no church, there is no county in the United States where the church is experiencing growth, the church in America is not growing. And so I was like, well, why isn't the church in America growing? And to me, one of the big reasons is because of the lack of unity from the individual American Christian who doesn't understand what it means to be one with Christ, a full understanding, we need a deeper understanding, to the family, to the local church, and to the church in America not understanding because if we walked in unity, if we got rid of, if we worked on getting rid of the division, the more that we can present to the lost because in 21 here and in 22, the heart of Jesus is for the lost here. That's what he's, that's what he's going for. He says, I need this. <laughs> Sam keeps telling quit pounding on your Bible, John. <laughs> I got to hit my Literal Bible thumper. (laughs) He's like, (laughs) but Jesus is like, the reason I want to see this, Father, the reason this needs to happen, Father, is so the world will believe I'm concerned for the lost. That's where my heart is. I want the lost to see this witness. Mm -hmm. And so. Yeah, that kind of brings us to 23. Um, Just real, real fast. I want to talk about the glory, the, the nature of the glory that, uh, what's given to Jesus and then was given to the people in this prayer. Um, real quick, one minute. What do you think the nature of that glory? Is it the Shekinah glowing glory of Jesus or what, what are we talking about here? 
Yeah. Uh, when, I, when I read this, uh, I think one of the things that I naturally think of, um, I, I, I think, I think this a lot, I think this does touch on our union with Christ. I think this is where that really comes into play. Um, uh, maybe some of our listeners, we have, they have no idea what that is. Um, cause I think a lot of times whenever we hear about Christ, we basically hear about his death and resurrection and that's mm-hmm. all we hear about him, yeah. which is pretty bad. Um, that, that like there, there is more things that he did. Uh, but one of the things that we see in the scriptures is that when a person is born again, um, they're risen from the, they, the Lord raises them from their grave and the Holy Spirit actually unites them with Christ. Therefore, like if I'm in Christ, if I'm truly in Christ and I'm showing the fruits of the spirit, um, like I can't, like I, I won't be condemned because if the Lord was to condemn me, he would condemn Christ who is united with me. And I think this is what Peter is getting at whenever he gets in second Peter, where he's talking about when, I, when a person comes to know the Lord, he says this, this audacious thing. We become partakers in the divine nature. What the heck? He's not going like a Mormon right there because Mormon Mormonism would say, hey, we, we become gods. That's not what he's saying. He's saying whenever, we, whenever a person is born again, whenever they come to know Christ, they actually – they're unified with Christ. So the glory that naturally is his is mine. Like it, the, the glory that, that – not – now that has some implications some places but like whenever it's talking about like that they would have like the glory that i that you've given like they would have well of course we would have it because we are naturally one with him mm-hmm. therefore whatever he has we like in one sense uh in christ i have like i i have his life i have in many ways his death i have his i have his glory let me let me read that verse that you're referencing second peter 1 4 and because of his glory and excellent and excellence he has given us great and precious promises these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires yeah so when people see that on display in the church you and me the body of Christ they marvel at it yeah, I think um, just to add to that, going back to the Old Testament, when we talk about uh, the glory of the Lord departed, uh, a part of what was happening there is the the revealed and felt presence of the Lord was removed from the congregation. And now we see Jesus, the manifest revelation and presence of God with his people. I think there is some aspect that that is passed on to those who partake of that divine nature through belief in their word, going back to verse 20, um, that because it fits in with the the last bit of 23, that the purpose of perfect unity is so that people will know how much God loved uh, the world and what he was willing to do for it. And so being partakers of that, and you guys can disagree, but being partakers of that and having that glory given to us in that sense allows us to transmit that message of love uh, that was transmitted through the sending of Christ to us and to the people sitting at this table. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's how they're, that's how lost people will experience the father. 
Okay. Cool. So, um, just to get into that last bit one more time uh, before we wrap it up here. Um, so, let me just read. This is 23B. Well, just... Uh, so that the world may know that you sent me, Jesus, and love them even as you loved me. So, there's no despair. I mean, that's such encouragement such an encouraging word that there's no disparity between the love of the father for the son and the love of Christ for me, the love of the father for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's the same love. And um, I think that's the heart of mission Moultrie is to um, through unity uh, reveal the love of the father and the love of Christ for this community, the, the uh, ministry context that the Lord has given everyone who's listening to this podcast, uh, Cockwood County, Moultrie, um, that that's, that's what God wants for our community. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That, it, yeah that it's not just some individualistic thing. Uh, yeah. Because I, I, think, I think one of the things we do is, like, if we, it, it, when, whenever we're doing our, our own thing, like, it can, be, it can be exciting because we think that it's, in one sense it's bearing fruit, but there is very much a communal thing that's going on here. Um, like the local church has a place and the, and, and the uppercase C church has a place in this. And I think that, I think that's an encouragement to us all, like to remember that, um, to press into, um, what God has already chosen to take his message to the world. I I think many times we, we think we got to reinvent that wheel baby. And it's like, wait a minute, like that, that's what the local church is for. Like it's that, that's one of the beauties of it. I mean, I think that's one of, it's a great reminder in in an age that I think in many ways, the local church has kind of lost its luster and people don't realize what its purpose is. And, uh, they just show up on Sunday and it's like, wait a minute, no, like this is actually meant like my relationships with these people and how I confess my sin to them, how I walk with them, how I, 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 I care for them, how I correct and, and am corrected myself. That plays a huge part in, in creating the kind of people that one of the things you'll see is, I mean, that, 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 that the lost world will take notice. I mean, I, I think that's a great thing. You know, from, from what I see in Scripture, the Lord has left three major witnesses to the world today. We have... Uh, we see in Romans, we, we have the, the witness of nature and creation itself sure. that says just, just that witness alone, man, is without excuse. But then, of course, we have the witness of the Holy Spirit that mm-hmm. draws men and convicts us of our sin. And then I believe this has shown us that the church is supposed to be a third powerful witness of who Jesus Christ is. And, and so, you know, that's a big responsibility. Yeah. You know, and I think we need to understand that is a role that we have. Yeah, not to throw too many big words out, but I mean, some would say that the church is that es- eschatological witness. I think only you yeah. would say that. So. Oh, only I would say that. Okay, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> off the rails. I'm off the rails. That's good. No, that's See, that's yeah. No, that's yeah. good. So, um, anyway, we're gonna wrap it up here. We will probably end up having David back. Is uh, I hope so. That was yeah, a good time. Was, was, yeah, yeah. He's, he's behaved. Yeah. yeah, he is. Um, Mike trained, but uh, unlike us, who he exhibited great self control. So yeah. You know, because we're pros at this. Yeah, this is like our third one. So just uh, on a light note, three podcasts in, you still feeling good about it? 
I'm 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 loving it. I'm enjoying it. I don't know if our listeners will or not. Yeah, but sure. I'm having a great time. I listen to these a lot in the editing process, so um, I hope you guys are enjoying it. If you have any comments on the podcast uh, about how we're messing it up and the recording sounds disgusting or or whatever, or if you want to comment on the content, uh, which we hope you will, if you have your two cents to throw in about uh, John 17 today. Please go to the Facebook page, um, and you can see some opportunities there to comment. Um, we hopefully will have a comment section up in the show notes for this show at missionmoultrie.com, where you can go to the podcast page and look at the show notes and uh, join in the conversation there. Because this this ultimately is anytime we open God's Word, it ultimately is a conversation That's right. that I think the Holy Spirit. Uh, inhabits that conversation and we all leave with a better sense of uh, and a better understanding of God's word so we'll hope you'll join us next week Uh, thank you for tuning in to Mission Moultrie Podcast Mm -hmm.